Hey everyone, Jessica Stevens here, host of I Just Blank, Now What? Thank you so much for joining me again this week. We're having another Now What? Wednesday story from a wonderful guest that I'm just so grateful for her in being so open and sharing her story. Today is a story that is very personal. And if you are somebody who is going through infertility and trying to conceive, warning, this topic may not be the best for you at this moment. If you feel like you're not prepared to listen to this, if you're somebody who has suffered from miscarriages, then you may want to hit pause. But I also want to invite you to hear Vanessa's story because it's a challenging one, absolutely, but definitely one with words of inspiration and hope and a happy ending. Uh, Vanessa has suffered from multiple miscarriages and now is a wonderful mom to baby William, whom she's going to be talking a little bit about her journey and how she ended up conceiving him. So if this is a topic that is challenging for you, I want to invite you just to hit pause and come back again later when you feel like you can listen to this one. But um, also for anyone out there who is going through um, some challenging fertility times, this story is really inspirational and I hope you will give it a listen and take some lessons from Vanessa's story and apply it to yourself and your situation. Although we know every single fertility journey uh, and story is unique, just as unique as all of those beautiful rainbow babies are. And uh, this one's very personal for me too, because I've been in uh, Vanessa's, not Vanessa's situation, because I have never had a miscarriage, but I'm definitely somebody who's gone through IVF, who's gone through that stress of trying to conceive and, and not being able to. So I'm just so grateful for her for coming and opening up and sharing her story. And one day I will also be sharing my personal fertility story with all of you as well. So today we're going to jump in. We're going to chat with Vanessa. She is an accomplished explorer, entrepreneur, marketer, and most recently mom to baby William. Vanessa is a partner at Lux Story Media, an agency that builds and deploys marketing strategies for brands from a fresh lens that is is diverse and inclusive, especially when speaking to the all-important female buyer. Prior to joining Lux Story, Vanessa has experience with branding for international fashion and lifestyle brands. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had something happen in your life that you just were not expecting, good or bad, and said out loud or to yourself, I just got laid off, or I just got engaged. Maybe I just started a business or I just bought a house, or maybe I just got my heart broken, or I just quit my soul-sucking job. Now what? <laughs> me too, friend, me too. I've had a few actually, and each time it happened, in the moment, I felt like the world around me was collapsing and I didn't know what to do. Eventually, of course, I did figure it out, <laughs> often the hard way, but I figured it out. And it wasn't until I was sharing some of these stories that I realized they were packed full of great lessons of what to do next, how to move forward, and answer that gut-wrenching and sometimes paralyzing question, now what? So join me as we share some of life's most challenging stories and their transformational lessons on the I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. 
All right. Well, welcome, Vanessa, to the show. Hello. How's it going? It's going really well. It's it's going really well. Just transitioning into motherhood and all of the things, but it's been great. It's fantastic. All right, Vanessa, I'm so grateful for you coming on the show today and sharing your I just miscarried again. Now what story? I think this story is probably much more common to a lot of people than we might think. And so I'm really grateful for you for coming on and sharing yours because, well, having a miscarriage is definitely much more converse in the conversation space than it used to be. It's still very much hush hush in terms of sharing that experience. I just want to, you know, say thank you for being open and sharing it with us today. So why don't we First off, have you share a little bit about yourself? I know I just read your bio to everybody, but I love for my guests just to share a little bit about themselves from their own words. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you? Yeah, for sure. So I am an entrepreneur first. I run a media company with two business partners of mine and we own Lux Story Media. We also have a sort of sub company called Social Lockbox and The Cushy, which is a, a product that we launched last November. And sort of in addition to that, I have on my personal, like on the personal side of things, got married about, oh my gosh, I want to say a year and a half ago, that our fertility journey really started. Started, I would say four years ago, Nav and I, Nav is, is my partner, my life partner. We decided very early on that we wanted to start a family. And mm-hmm. I think I knew sort of in the first weeks of, of dating him, I knew a lot earlier than he did, but I just, I wanted to start a family with him. And for us getting pregnant was sort of really easy. It was the, as we'll sort of chat about it was the sort of staying pregnant part that was difficult for us. And that sort of led us on a, I would say three and a half year journey to today where we have a wonderful, beautiful baby boy, William, who's fantastic and was totally worth the wait. But our, our journey was definitely one that a lot of people experience in a lot of different forms. And I'm so open to talking about it because sort of through talking about it, I've, I've been able to heal and do all of these things. And I hope that in sharing my story, I can help even just one other person. So I'm Absolutely. really open to, to talking, chatting about it. All right. Well, well, let's, let's just jump in. And yeah, you kind of mentioned something that I was going to ask you is, you know, you, you've been married for about a year and a half, but I knew your journey was much, much longer than this. So, yep. so that's pretty cool that you guys decided to, you know, even start trying to have a baby well before getting married because that's yep. which is that's not normal but definitely you know trending you know where things aren't going in the same order as they used to for so sure <laughs> why don't you um take us back to when you guys first started trying to conceive the TTC for all those yep. in, in the know and you know kind of share share your story because just like you said in the fertility infertility world there's so many different reasons why couples can't conceive on their own. And sometimes it's some can't get pregnant at all. You guys were obviously very fortunate. You were able to, but just couldn't hold on to those pregnancies. So your story is very different than, you know, another guest that I'm going to have come on and hers is like, we couldn't get pregnant at all. So yeah, take us back to those, those early days of trying. For sure. So yeah, I mean, like you said, my, my story, I think every fertility story is very unique in the sense that no two scenarios are the same. Nav and I, I think after like a month or two of, of not being careful, we're so fortunate to have gotten pregnant. And 
it sort of happened. And you know, we were like, great, like this is, it's going to be easy for us. We're one of the lucky ones. And I was like super happy to go down that, that path. Essentially we, we did all of the like preliminary doctor's appointments. Everything looked good. We had an ultrasound. We were able to see the baby's heartbeat. And then I would say the first um, miscarriage was, well, they classified as a, a missed miscarriage. So the baby stopped growing at eight weeks. And then I discovered around 13 that the baby no longer had a heartbeat. So we were told because we weren't like seeing a fertility specialist or anything at that time, we were told, okay, this will probably just sort of pass on its own. And then within, I would say like a day or two, it started happening where the, like everything just started passing naturally and and it sort of happened. Mm -hmm. And after the first miscarriage, I was like, you know, this happens. This is one in four. I started really sort of looking into the data behind miscarriages and seeing that it was a lot more common than I had ever thought. And in sharing my story, just to sort of my inner circle, people were like, oh yeah, I experienced miscarriage. I just never talked about it. Or yes, my sister went through this. And I sort of learned very quickly that it there is this sort of silent community of people who go through this. And I felt, I felt a lot better after sharing my story and hearing that it is so common. So after that kind of happened, we were like, okay, like this is, it happens. It's normal. Um, yeah. It's normal. And I just, I'm a very proactive person. Like I, I sort of had this gut feeling. I was like, you know, I just want to go and see if there's something wrong. And we were really, really fortunate. Actually, we have a friend in the family who is a fertility specialist. So I was very proactive. I said, you know, I just, I want to just go see him. I just want to like consult. And then we booked an appointment and I sort of news to me, but to see a fertility specialist in Canada, it could take up to six months to a year had no idea that there's like such a backlog but put our name down got the call went for a consult and then funny enough we were pregnant a second time by the time we went by the appointment by the time the appointment happened you were actually pregnant again exactly so that was that was really reassuring or so I thought because I was like okay great this is awesome we have we don't need the fertility specialist after all but when we lost the second one it was great that we had that connection with the fertility specialist because he was able to follow us very closely and we were able to get like the special attention that we we needed at that time and then we started to run the tests and do all of the things that come with recurrent miscarriages so we, we were in, we felt like we were in very, very good hands from, from that point on. And it was kind of a blessing that we were proactive. How many weeks was the second miscarriage? So actually all of my miscarriages ended within like two or three days of each other. So they were all around eight weeks. Nice. They all went to, yes, all went to eight weeks. There was always a viable heart rate. And then somewhere around like between seven weeks, five days to eight weeks, the the pregnancy couldn't go any further. In the last miscarriage, we actually figured out that it it was a genetic issue that kept happening. And it's so crazy. Like the only way that you can really know for sure is is doing testing of the fetus after. So we, we sort of figured that out. We were able to do it the third time around. And then by that point, I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of over feeling this way. I don't want to have to go through this again. And we, Nav and I had talked and we said, you know, I think IVF might be the best option. And I, after the third, we decided to go that route. What was the gap in between your miscarriages? It was quite a bit because somewhere in between the, the miscarriages, we actually, I, 
after the second, we decided to take a break. So we decided we're like, we're doing this all wrong. We need to get married. That's why this is not working. So we took, I think a year break in between. We like got really fit. We changed our lifestyle. Cause of course, when you're in that space, you read all of the things about like, oh, you have to be in like best, best shape, shape of your, of your life. life. Yeah. yeah. Like you need to be eating like the best food of your life. Like you think, okay, all of these are contributors to our infertility potentially. So we did a really good job of like eliminating all of the possible issues that we could have and all mm-hmm. of the external things. And we planned a wedding in between and got to sort of travel quite a bit. And we just like really enjoyed our time. And part of that for me was like a great release because it was like, let's not worry about it. Let's just get really fit and let's just have fun. And then we'll come back to this. And it was a really good decision. I I look back at it and I'm like, that was a great decision in retrospect. And then we planned the wedding. We, we went on a honeymoon and we actually got pregnant on our honeymoon. So like, that's how quick it happened after, but that was our third, third and final miscarriage was our honeymoon. So Talk to me about your emotional state through each of these miscarriages, because obviously the first one was a shock, you know, you weren't expecting it, but you also know that, hey, miscarriages are somewhat common and they happen. So how did you mentally progress in this kind of three miscarriage journey? Yeah. So the first one was, I mean, they all were really, really hard. Like they're, they were all incredibly hard. I would say the first one I saw a light pretty quickly. I was like, you know, it was really hard, but somehow Nav and I got stronger in the relationship. It solidified the fact that we wanted to have this family, that we were fantastic together and all of the things I would say the second one was incredibly hard because that's when you you start to think like you question okay is my body made like is is it something with me and I would say the second one was the one where I personally took it the hardest I took it the hardest because I was like there's something wrong with me there's something wrong I can't carry the baby there is something physically wrong with me and it doesn't happen twice in a row. Like I felt like I didn't know what was going on. And it's very easy as a woman to, to look to yourself and be like, it must be something with me. So that I think was, was the journey with the second one. And the third one, I was, I remember being really, really angry. I remember thinking, okay, I've done everything right. I've gone back to like square one. I've gotten healthy. I've done all of the things we even got married, like we got married, like as, as Catholics and as Hindus, cause my husband <laughs> grew up Hindu and I like got all of the different God's blessings and it happened again. And I was just, I was really upset. And I remember that one was probably the hardest for me. Cause I was like, you know, I get that everything happens for a reason, but that's when I started to just get angry and not understand it. Now I totally get it. Now I understand that like William was our baby like he was supposed to come at exactly that time but when you're in it it's very very hard to to see big picture and it's very hard to understand well why me like why me multiple times so I think it was a different journey I will say like it was very very hard all of them were very hard but different emotions came from the different losses because I think we were at very different points in our lives And I don't know if that's the same for everyone, but I felt, I really felt like they were just different. 
all of them. Yeah. So, so the, the last one, the third one, you're, you're married, you get pregnant on your honeymoon, which is kind of dream come true for so many couples. Yeah. And yeah. eight weeks later, another, another loss. What happened then? Yeah. So for that one, we were, again, we were with this fertility specialist who was fantastic. And we found out that morning. And then that afternoon I was scheduled for my DNC. And then we decided to do testing. So it's just genetic testing of the embryo, sorry, of the fetus. And they try to look at what the genetic makeup is and if there was any indicators that it could potentially be a genetic issue. And we did that and we got a call, I would say like less than a week later, like they were super, super fast, got a call less than a week later. And he said, yeah, in fact, there was a genetic issue that is likely what has been happening over and over again. And at that point I was like, okay, at least it's, at least it's a concrete answer, at least for the first time in this entire journey, I felt like I had an answer. And that sometimes I think is, is the most difficult thing with infertility is that there's so much that can be done, but there's so much that is still unknown. Like there's no reason that someone's infertile. Most of the time it's, it's an unknown reason. It's not like, it's not a concrete thing like, oh, your tubes are blocked or this happen. In most cases, you'll just never know. It was just not meant to be. So I felt like at that point I was like, okay, here's a concrete answer. And the solution for me was through talking to my fertility specialist was doing IVF with genetic testing. So what that means is do the egg retrieval. We would have the egg and the sperm meet. These sort of embryos would grow and then we would test them to see if there was any genetic abnormalities with the embryos. And then they would tell us from there, like, yes, in fact, these ones are good. These are the ones that should be implanted. And that's exactly what we did. And I think from that point on for me, that was when I started having like a lot of clarity and I was able to sort of relax and I actually enjoyed the process. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like it's not something that you could ever imagine enjoying, but I enjoyed the fact that it was being done sort of in a controlled setting and there were steps. Yeah. Yeah, There's steps and there's things and there's markers and there's things that are happening and doctors that are taking care of you. And I, I felt really, really good about the process, but I will say we were like, when we decided to, to do IVF, everything went right for us. And I understand that that's not the norm. I know people that have done rounds and rounds and it just hasn't worked. And I understand how fortunate we were in that instance, because for me, it was a relaxing experience because everything was going right. Like from the moment we decided, okay, like let's, let's go down the path of IVF. Everything sort of happened really easily. And it felt like, okay, this was a more relaxing experience than trying and then waiting eight weeks and being heartbroken. I felt like I knew I was getting a good egg. I knew the doctors were following me closely and I was going to a doctor's appointment twice a week to see the baby progressing. So I felt really good about it and it worked. Like we, we had a really successful retrieval. We were able to sort of pick the genetically good embryos and sort of move forward from there. So it was, it was nice. Yeah. Great. Like, yes, as you said, like that process is just very stressful for some, but I suppose for you, 
you know, conceiving naturally was way more stressful because it was, you were doing a blind, whereas with at least IVF, you know, you had access to see all the different steps and know what was going to come next. And so I can completely understand how that was actually quite relaxing and and calming for you, especially if if you're anything like me and you're a bit of an A-type personality and you like to be in control, that's definitely helpful for sure. So when you say, just for the audience who, who may not know, like the process of IVF, when you say everything was kind of going right, what were your numbers? Like how many eggs were you able to retrieve? How many became embryos? And then how many survived genetic testing? Yeah. So I want to say, and I like, it feels like forever ago already, but I want to say that 21 embryos were retrieved, which was, sorry, 21 eggs were retrieved. 21 eggs. Okay. Yeah. That's um, a great harvest. Which is a great, yes, which is a great number of those, I think 15 or 18 were, were fertilized. So the egg and the sperm took, and then what they do is they, some clinics go five days, some clinics go eight days. The clinic that we were at went eight days. So essentially what they'll do is they'll grow your embryo for eight days. The ones that last the eight day process are the strong ones and they will go for genetic testing. So of those, I think 15 made it to day eight. Sorry, no, that's 12 made it to day eight. Okay. And then we ended up with eight viable embryos. That went into genetic screening. Yeah. So they eight came out of genetic screening oh, good. and we're, we're good. We got really, really lucky. Like, and that's, that's the funny thing. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, well, you know, we were so fortunate and I, I think sometimes I'm like, you know, if we had tried again, the the probability might have been that we would have gotten a perfectly healthy baby and we wouldn't have had to experience another miscarriage. But you can't, the thing I've learned about fertility and infertility is you can't live in the land of what if, like you just have to do what feels right and in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that moment, what felt right for us and our marriage and us as a couple was doing IVF and it was the right decision. Like it really, I don't regret it at all. And people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, well, would you try naturally the next time? I don't think I want to. I think I'm like, I'm good with like the little embryos that we have waiting for us. Yeah. You have, you have a stockpile right there ready to go. So why would you not use them? Right. Exactly. So I feel, I feel good about the process. And like I said, we were incredibly lucky because those are really great numbers. And I have, like, I, I know a lot of people who are not as fortunate and it's never lost on me how, how fortunate we actually were in the process. Yes, definitely grateful. And, and I'm so, I'm so happy for you guys that you had a really positive outcome on round one. Cause as you said before, sometimes people have to go rounds and rounds of, of IVF to, to get to their, their rainbow miracle baby. Well, honestly, I think after three, three plus miscarriages, you know, having IVF go smoothly for you was a gift because I don't know if you would have been able to handle like a challenging IVF cycle on top of having multiple miscarriages. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, and sometimes I think like, I I'm so grateful for everything. And like I said, someone was, we were talking to a couple, a couple weeks ago. And I was like, you know, as hard as this experience was, it was all worth it because William's here and William is the perfect baby at the perfect time. Like, and it's perfectly like 
Nav and I couldn't be in a better spot in, in our lives to accept that gift at this point. It's it's interesting, I think, like now in retrospect, you can handle really, really hard things. Like, and it's it's crazy to think about because I get like in the moment, I felt like I was never going to make it out. And then I remember talking to a friend who had also done IVF and I was like 12 or 13 weeks pregnant. And I was like, doesn't you going through fertility and going to the doctor and getting those shots every day, it feels like a lifetime ago. Like now all that matters is that you have this healthy baby growing inside of you, but that feels like such a small part of your life. And I, I often say to friends who are going through the same thing, like, I know it feels like such a big thing in your life right now, mm-hmm. but once you have that healthy baby growing inside of you or like outside in the world, none of that matters. It's a blip in your, in your big life that you're going to have. And it feels at the time, it feels like it's like this giant mountain that you have to climb over and you'll never get past it, but it really is like a tiny blip in the radar. Absolutely. It's, and, and everyone's journey is so, so different. So knowing that you know, your journey has been rather unique in in all its own ways. For somebody or a couple out there who's experiencing something similar as you in terms of able to get pregnant, just not able to hold on to those pregnancies and it's happening over and over, what guidance do you have for them? What would you say is some really good next steps for them to maybe think about doing? Yeah, I would say for sure, just to sort of listen to your gut. I would say that my instincts always guided me in the right direction. So I felt very, very early on in the process that we should go see a specialist. And I remember everyone advising us against it, being like, you guys are young, you're healthy. It'll just happen. Like you don't need to go to a fertility specialist. You get pregnant on your own. Like fertility is for people who can't get pregnant. So me advocating for myself and saying like, nope, this is what I think we should do was a really, really important step. And I think it, it really accelerated the process for us because had I waited till the second or third miscarriage, we might still be waiting to see a doctor. Like that's the reality of, of the situation. Mm-hmm. So definitely advocating for yourself. Your instinct is always right. And then just really like being kind to yourself in the process, because it's very easy to blame yourself if it happens. If it happens one time, let alone multiple times, I think the first person as as women that we blame is is ourselves. And the thing that I learned through, through this process is sometimes it's actually not us, it's your partner. Or like, I think it was the stat is like 40 to 50% of fertility issues are actually the male. So like, that's something I didn't know. We, I think we're conditioned to think, okay, a fertility issue is, is a woman's issue because we grow the baby, but that's not in fact true. And there's so many, there's so many things. Vanessa, I think you mentioned, you know, everyone was telling you you're young, you're healthy, like, you know, it'll be fine, you know, just to give everybody a little bit of reference of what, what is considered young and old and in the fertility world, you know, you know, what are the ages that you and and your husband are right now? So I am currently 33 and my husband just turned 39 a few days ago. So we, at the time, I think we were 30, 31 and he was 36. So I guess considering that I was not, I think that when people talk about fertility and being young and old, I think the, the benchmark now is over under 35, which again, they're, 
there's so many different schools of thought on that, but I was being told like, look, you, you'll be lucky if you can even see a specialist, if you're not over the age of 35, because mm-hmm. you're technically not, you're, you're still young. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're still a baby in the world of, you know, conception, right? right? So how was the process for you in terms of once you conceived, once you got, I'm sure that eight week mark, you were just like, on bated breath, like talk to me about eight weeks in a day. Like, how did you feel at that point? Yeah. So it was, it was a really crazy experience because all my other pregnancies, I had Nav there with me to, to go to the appointments, to sit with me in, in those ultrasounds. And the eight week one was always a really, really big milestone for me. But this time around, we actually we decided pregnant during COVID. So we, he couldn't even come to any of the appointments. And I remember just, I remember being so, so nervous. And I think part of, part of me just developed like superstitions too. I'm like, oh, I have to go in that room. That's the lucky room. Like I had all these different things where I was just like, so like, that's the nurse that had the good news for me last time. I want to go back to her. I was just, I remember being a nervous wreck. And I remember that day I waited and waited because I was like, I want the doctor to do the ultrasound because the worst thing for me was having the nurses sort of stare blankly at the screen and then not be able to tell you right away like there's something wrong yeah so I remember being like okay if the doctor does it he can tell me right away I'm like in a better spot I have a really good relationship with this doctor and I remember going to the clinic in the morning by myself and waiting for the doctor because I was like I'm gonna wait till he sees all his patients and then I'm gonna ask him to do the ultrasound and unfortunately that day he was so busy he was like I ended up waiting in the waiting room for two and a half hours. And then he's like, Vanessa, you have to get a nurse to do it. Like, I just can't see you this morning. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. And went in the room and just was, I remembered feeling like I was going to have a panic attack, like just be so, so nervous. And then she was like, yeah, everything's fine. Like everything's going to, like, everything's great. It looks good. And just feeling this crazy sense of relief. But at that point, we also discovered that I had a bit of, I can't remember the the technical term, but it was a blood clot near where the baby was in the sac. And that's very common for IVF patients. So that was concerning to me. And then when I saw the doctor after that, he was like, yes, actually, I, I advise that you go on bed rest. So I was actually on bed rest, I would say from week eight to week 13. So it was, it was great that we had reached that milestone, but then I had this other stress of, okay, now I have this small hemorrhage, what's going to happen there. And then I would say like something that surprised me was I always felt like, okay, if I get past the eight week mark, I'm going to be really, really excited because for sure that means everything's okay. But I think in dealing with the trauma of recurrent pregnancy loss, I just never got over like that feeling of just fear, like constant fear. And I, I had it throughout my entire pregnancy. And I remember thinking like, okay, 15 weeks, I'll be okay. 20 weeks. And then that benchmark kept moving and moving. And I remember up until the day my water broke, I was like, a part of me felt like it just was never going to happen for me. Like I, I had this baby inside of me. He was kicking, he was happy, he was healthy. And I still felt like something's going to happen. And I, I realized now that that's just part of, 
um, the trauma and it probably will happen in my next pregnancies where like it ju- it's something you live with and it's really, really difficult, but I'm living proof that <laughs> these things like miracles happen, right? Yeah, definitely being up in your head is a byproduct of the whole fertility time, you know, from the early stages all all the way through because you have so much that you're thinking about and like, what's next? What could go wrong? And like, I can understand how you, you know, you got to that fear state, but now that William is here, you know, you were able to kind of release that and, you know, just enjoy motherhood now. Totally. Like it's, I feel, I feel great. I feel like that part of my life, I've conquered it. And I was able to have this beautiful, amazing baby boy. And I was able to get pregnant and maintain the pregnancy and do all of the things that I thought would never, ever happen. And for me, it was the greatest accomplishment in my life. Like nothing, nothing will ever compare to that. And I'm so grateful for everybody that sort of met me along that journey because it, it really, it was a dark time, but it was a really special time too. And I, I cherish a lot of those moments that happen. And like I said, like from the first miscarriage, I, I would say what ended up happening at after every single one was my relationship with Nav just got so much stronger. And I remember that being a really big fear the first time around, because we, we were only together, I would say for less than a year. And I remember thinking like, he's not going to love me anymore. Like he, he wants to have babies. And if I can't give him that, he's going to find someone who can. And I remember sitting in the hospital emergency room and he's like, it's okay, babe, we'll just try again. And for me, that was, that was it. Like, I was like, okay, I want to marry this man. I want to, <laughs> I want to be with him forever. Cause yeah. he just, he was so great in that moment. And he was great in all of the moments. Like he always stepped up to whatever the situation was, whether it was me on bed rest or me taking shots every morning and him helping me, like he, he always stepped up. So I'm grateful to the experience and the process. And especially to him, because it, it is, I think, something that we don't talk about as well is it's hard on the couple. It's hard on the entire family unit. It was hard on my family. Like they knew what I was going through as, as I was going through it. And like, it was, I get emotional actually only talking about that because it's, I felt almost worse for my family having to like live through the the process and the mm-hmm. excitement and then the loss and all of those things. So I'm so grateful for all of them. And I would say that it, it's made us stronger as like a couple, a family unit, all of it. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear. And, and I'm so happy to, to hear that you guys, you know, grew closer in your relationship through this, this painful process, which is great. Mm-hmm. I, I know for some people, other relationships really are strained during pregnancy though. And I don't know if this, this was true for you and any of your friendships and relationships with, with other women and and couples who were conceiving when you were trying to conceive. So, you know, let us tell me like a little bit about that process for you. Uh, And, you know, did you struggle with watching other friends get pregnant and you couldn't? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I had, I had many friends who like we were pregnant together on the first and they had their whole families by the time I was pregnant with William and I went to their baby showers and like all of it. And it was, it was difficult. There's, 
there's definitely parts of it that are hard. It's hard to watch someone's life happen when you're trying to to do the same. But I would say that every single friend that we had was incredibly supportive. I was always very open about our journey and I was always very open about what was happening. So they were, they were incredibly supportive. And I will say it was, I also had friends going through similar things. So I had, because I was so open about it, I think I got to experience what a lot of my other friends were going through. So I had friends that had miscarriages and issues getting pregnant and all of it. So I think that, yes, there was difficult parts for sure. But it, I think we, as women, built like a small community where we said, okay, like this is what we're going through. These are our truth. And it was reassuring knowing that there was other people also going through it. That's great. Yeah. Cause yeah, I do know in, in some circles it's, it's hard when, you know, one or two of the friends, especially as you said, you were pregnant at the same time and then, you know, you losing yours and then continuing on, like it, it can definitely get hard. One, one last question that I have for you, cause this is probably very unique t- to you guys of deciding to do your transfer in the middle of COVID. So yeah. <laughs> why, why, you know, what kind of spurred you on to say, let's do this, even though the pandemic's going on, let's, let's transfer this embryo and get this, this family on, on show on the road. Yeah. So I actually, I recall having a, a small fight with Nav about this because I remember when we were deciding to actually go through with the transfer, we were in between wave one and wave two of, of COVID. And in wave one, they had shut down all fertility treatments and they shut down elective surgeries. Everything was sort of stalled. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is never going to happen for us. They're going to shut down indefinitely and that's it. So the second, I I believe it was like in April or May of last year, they decided to open back up. I was like, we need to get on that list. And I was like, you're crazy. Like you want to do this now. And I, I just remember thinking like, yes, like I want to do it now. I want to be pregnant when everyone's locked in their home. (laughs) And like, I want to start our family right away. I was, I was so eager. So I remember like booking the appointment and just saying like, heck, let's go through with it. Like, we don't even know if it's going to work. Let's see if it works. And everything, as I said, from that point on, everything moved really smoothly. And yeah, we decided to have not only a COVID baby, but like have a COVID IVF baby. <laughs> and it was, it was crazy. Like we we did the retrieval, we did everything through COVID. I had to do it all alone and gave birth in April of this year in the middle of wave three when things were sort of at their peak. But I wouldn't change it for the world. Like it was, it was an experience. <laughs> it was definitely an experience. It will definitely make your second pregnancy so much easier. You're going to be like, this is a walk in the park. Like we did everything in the COVID and now the next one is going to be like, oh, just a transfer and and we're good to go. I mean, I've had actually two friends now who have had both of their children in the span of like wave one and now like potentially wave four. So never say never. It may, I I don't want to think that way, (laughs) but fingers crossed, uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today and being so open and sharing your story. I I think even if one person hears what you have gone through and is getting a little bit of hope from your story, then it's it's all worth it. Any final words that you want to share with everybody before we wrap up? 
I sort of will say it to all of my friends going through this, like you are your best advocate. If you feel like something's up, if you feel like something's wrong, talk to somebody because you, you are sort of, you know, your body best and you're not crazy and it's never too early or too late. It's just, yeah, you do what you feel is right. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. And we will talk to everybody soon. Thanks Thank for joining. You. And uh, if you want to find Vanessa and, you know, the luck story, or, you know, if you're a real estate agent and you want a little social media help, check her out. All of her links are in the bio um, and the show notes. So connect with Vanessa. She's, she's awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.